The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the impact of volume versus quality in marketing. Joining us is David Finkelstein, who is the co-founder and CEO of BDEX, which aims to revolutionize the way companies connect with their consumers through real-time data insights. And today, David and I are going to discuss impression volume versus quality. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with David Finkelstein, the co-founder and CEO of BDEX. David, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Ben. Great to be here. It's been a minute. I'm excited to have you back, our regular correspondent in our data tech series. Uh, you recently published an article on Ad Exchanger talking about the difference between impression volume versus quality. And I feel like in the media business, this is kind of the age-old battle of do I want more vanity metrics or do I actually care about who's consuming my content? Talk to me about what your article was about and what did it say? Actually, the funny thing is the article was originally written as a open letter to the industry out of frustration. So that's how I got it started. I, I kind of wrote this letter because I felt like I was really frustrated in seeing how many companies were still talking about quantity over quality. And, you know, whether it comes to an ad campaign or data as a whole for targeting audiences, things like that. And even in sort of the identity world, when we do a lot of working with companies to help build and augment their identity graphs. And what we have found over the years is there's still, and it shocks me, how much there's still this inquiry from companies that come to us and they want to say, how much lift can you give me? How many more people can I get access to? And how few people are saying, how can you get more people that will actually interact with my ad? And that was really the frustration that made me write this whole thing where I just sat down and I said, people need to start looking at this in a broader scope and realizing that when you're looking at buying quantity, you're often just buying access to bots and click farms and all kinds of junk that is diluting your campaign metrics and the ultimate performance of your campaign. So I'm going to agree with you in real life, but for the sake of this podcast, let me argue with you. <laughs> I'm a media buyer, and I understand that when I buy media, a portion of the media buy is going to be junk. 
let's say it's 25% of every impression I get is from a click farm or a bot. If I buy a little bit of targeted media, maybe I can get that down to 20. But if I buy a ton of media, it goes up by 5%. But I'm reaching more people. I think that there's an argument to be made for, and this probably depends on what your business is, if you're going direct to consumer and you have a product with a large TAM, doesn't buying more impressions help you lower the cost of the impression and while still capturing all the people that are relevant in your market, right? Isn't impression volume something that still matters? That's the age-old question, right? But it, what it comes down to is, yeah, may, your cost per impression may be less, but if it doesn't convert into a conversion rate that drives growth for you, then there's the challenge. And how can it, if you say 25%, my experience has been 40 to 50% of what you're, you know, who you're advertising is not a real person. And so if it's not a real person, if you can get rid of those impressions that are to bots and click farms and not real people and concentrate on building campaigns that are only targeting real people, you can literally improve your conversion rates and your cost per conversion by 100%. And why would you not want to do that? Because I'm a media buyer. Well, yeah. Right. This is the problem with the industry and multiple different industries. We'll get into a little bit of that tomorrow is I'm a media buyer and I'm getting a cut of ad spend. So I actually am incented to buy fake traffic as long as there is some conversions enough to keep my customer happy. If I buy some ClickBots, I'm still getting paid 20% of whatever CPM I'm getting, right? And I need more impressions to get paid more. So how do we solve that problem where people are incented to go buy as much traffic as they can, not necessarily the most efficient traffic they can? God, I wish I knew. <laughs> the reality is, you're right, the media buyer and the platform, the DSP itself, they're all making money off of this. So there's no incentive there for them to change anything. In fact, our conversations often with many of the media buyers are that they want scale simply because they're afraid that if they demonstrate that they can provide the same level of performance with less money, then their budget next year will get cut and that's less revenue for them. So there's no incentive for the media buyer to actually focus on quality versus quantity. That's the challenge. We find that that conversation happens when we're working direct with brands that are advertising direct to consumer as opposed to using an agency. As soon as they start using an agency as some media buyer, then it changes the whole conversation. Yeah, there's a fundamental issue with incentive alignment when you're having somebody else that's getting paid to buy media for you. They get paid more the more media they buy. So if they buy inefficient media, they make more money and you still get the same results. So essentially there's 40, 50% of fluff. Not every media buyer is going to be, I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but the incentives are going to be misaligned. Now, if you're buying direct or you get a good media buyer who has your best interests at heart, what are some of the ways where you can go and cut out that bot traffic, the click farm traffic? How do you figure out how to get to the actual people you want to target as opposed to the other 40 or 50% of the impressions that you're serving that aren't valuable? What we are seeing is that the more brands get involved in the conversation, the more they are talking to those media buyers about improving on the performance because look, everything's more expensive today, right? And advertising performance has gone down. And so advertisers, brands are looking to put sort of that pressure on media buyers to say, hey, you need to help us improve the performance of this because our budgets are going down as it is. 
And because of that, when we're talking to media buyers and platforms, our conversation is usually around identity. It's around the audiences that are built within the data for targeting and the IDs that are associated with those audiences. And it's about identifying the IDs that are associated in those audiences that are associated with ad fraud. And so we have built some technology to identify these IDs, IDs that are related to bots and click farms, looking at billions of identity signals through bitstream data and identifying those IDs that show evidence of non-human activity. And by doing that and taking it and identifying those IDs, we can actually strip them out of either someone's ID graph or the audience that they're building so that we can strengthen the audience that they're targeting. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So walk me through the process here. I give BDEX a list of, let's say, IP addresses from my podcast, and you return back a list of retargetable data bits, right? Something I can upload into Facebook or LinkedIn or what have you. You're not only looking at the IP addresses, but also looking at some sort of characteristics that are saying whether this person is a human or not. Obviously, you mentioned billions of bits of data, but give me an example of the types of human versus non-human characteristics that you're looking for. So what we've done is we've actually built an AI engine that actually analyzes this data. So we're throwing 400 billion data signals a month into this engine for analysis. And again, that's bitstream data, that's data that's coming off of apps and SDK platforms, even from email service providers and looking at all the different touch points, whether it be IP, emails or hashed emails, mobile IDs, all these different touch points that a human might have and looking at what of those activities look like they're real. Real activities have a different footprint than bot activities. And by analyzing those footprints, we are able to identify the IDs that are 
associated with bots and click farms and things like that based on the activity we're seeing from those signals. When you say they have different footprints, is it time to engagement, right? The ad is served and then less than a second later, the click happens. What are the types of behaviors that are human versus non-human? Well, it goes even further than that because we're looking for signals across multiple platforms. So we're not just looking at a signal where an ad was shown and has somebody clicked on it and was it clicked on within the same time frame as another ad. We're actually looking at, we saw an ad was served to this consumer at this IP address and this mobile ID at this date and time, and then to a similar same IP address or same mobile ID at a different date and time on a different platform and comparing those interactions. So we're looking at many from different points of view and comparing the different types of interactions that are occurring. And you'd be surprised at by doing that, you can pretty easily identify the ones that are real versus the ones that are not. So what is stopping brands from cutting out the fat in their media buying? If we now have the technology and capability to be able to recognize what is bot or click farm traffic, why isn't everybody just dumping all of their data into a platform like BDEX to make their media buying 40 to 50% more efficient? I think it comes down to education. I mean, that's, again, one of the reasons why I wrote the article. I think there's not enough people that understand the underlinings of how that works. Like we do identity full time. Like That's our business. That's our engineering team is looking at this stuff 24-7. You have brands and you have media buyers and agencies, and that's not their job. So to understand technically how all this has happened takes a, a bit of an education process. One of the reasons for writing that article and one of the reasons why we do our podcast as well, Deconstructing Data, is all about educating. It's about helping people understand that when we look under the hood of data and identity, these are all the issues and problems that we find. Not everybody's looking under that hood because they don't know how. It's like, I don't try to fix my own car because I'm not a mechanic. I don't know anything about that. And I go to somebody that knows that and I ask them for their help. It's the same thing here. We can't expect brands and media buyers and agencies to understand this because it's extremely technical and it takes a certain degree of understanding of how all this works in order to be able to get through it all. There has to be a cost component to this as well. And I think that most of the time, media buyers, or let's say brands specifically, let's take the media buyers out of this. I'm working at a brand. I'm buying my own media. If I go through an enrichment process, I have to pay for that. So how do you validate the expense of doing an enrichment to reduce or sort of refine your audience down as opposed to the value that you're getting on the back end? You'd be surprised that enrichment process is not that expensive, depending on how you're doing it and how often you're doing it. But we provide access to our platform and a licensing arrangement where you can clean data, you can build audiences off of it fairly inexpensively and then use those audiences over and over again and rebuild new audiences. So it's really not that expensive to do. And when you look at the cost savings that you get from improving the campaign performance, I mean, we're seeing anywhere from 40, 50, even 60% increase in return on ad spend for advertisers that are using this cleaned data versus an audience that might be off the shelf or something like that, where there might be all these bots and things like that. So just by looking at the increase in return on ad spend, there may be some cost associated with that, but it's negligible, especially when you're talking about advertising at scale. 
So David, talk to me about the implementation here. When I have an underlying data set, I've got my first party data and I want to be able to use it for media buying across multiple different platforms. When I'm trying to avoid click fraud, is this a problem that is happening specifically in the open web? Is it something that happens more on one social platform versus the other? How much of a problem is this impression volume versus quality problem and where does it happen? It's across the board. So we've seen it in social, we've seen it in open web, we've seen it in CTV increasingly. Because if one of the big problems with CTV is that there is limited inventory. So the problem with when you have a limited inventory, there's an incentive there to create more inventory, right? So that's where fraudsters come in and they're like, okay, well, if we can create more inventory at scale, then we can drive more opportunity. So we've seen it across the board and it's increasing on the CTV side. You know, it's the age old problem, like I mentioned, Part of this problem, and I've seen this in my industry too, is that generally industries default to the lowest common denominator in terms of the metrics they're based on. In podcasting, it's the download. In blogging or media buying, it tends to be the impression. So people are buying on a cost per thousand impressions as opposed to a cost per thousand visitors, cost per thousand humans, cost per interaction. Is there a way that you think the industry at large can move away from this focus on impression volume by thinking about metrics differently? Should we all be looking at buying on CPM basis? Or is there a way for us to move towards CPC or CPA type metrics? It's a good question. For a while there, go back several years, I actually thought that the industry was moving more towards a CPA business. I thought that we'd see a lot more by now in terms of buying on a CPA basis. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work. And it's harder now when you're talking about the deprecation of cookies, for example, it just makes it harder for you to track exactly where that conversion came from. So that introduces a problem when it comes to tracking actual CPAs. So I don't know. I think that the answer is that the CPM metric will continue to prevail. But I do think that with all of the changes that are going on with respect to data tracking privacy, it's going to get more and more difficult to track exactly where impressions came from versus conversions. So that's going to continue to be a challenge. It's an interesting byproduct of some of the focus on regulations and platform changes to protect the consumer's privacy. The idea here is that if you don't want to be tracked, you won't be tracked. Now, the problem is what happens downstream to the media buyers is that we don't have any idea of who we're tracking or whether they convert now. And so essentially, we've moved back towards more of a spray and pray type model with our media buying as opposed to being targeting not only with our media buying practices, but also with the incentives and the metrics that we look to evaluate whether a media buy is successful. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with David Finkelstein, co-founder and CEO of BDEX. Join us again tomorrow when David and I continue our conversation talking about what podcasters can learn from bloggers. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about David, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is BDEX underscore David. That's B-D-E-X underscore D-A-V-I-D. Or you can visit his company's website, which is bdex.com, B-D-E-X dot
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle on LinkedIn is Ben J. Shap, P-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.